the Pregnancy Without Fear podcast. These podcasts are here to help you minimize your fear of childbirth. Too many women go through pregnancy being worried, anxious, or fearful. Well, I'll be sharing tips with you so you can have the mind of knowing. Did you know that fear is about not knowing? When you know, fear is minimized. It then means you can enjoy your pregnancy looking forward to your childbirth experience. You are listening to Pregnancy Without Fear podcast with Delia Muhammad. Once again, I'm your host, and we are really, Pregnancy Without Fear is expanding its wings. We want to speak with professionals of all fields relating to pregnancy, labour, birth, motherhood and relationships. And today, I would like to welcome Dr. Omalara. And she's a, a paediatrician. She's actually a chief executive officer, paediatrician. And she has a team of paediatricians who, under the name Strong Children Wellness, Dot com. That's their website. All right, that you can go on, and they're based in New York. And yes, we would like to just get a little taste of what it's like to be a pediatrician um, in the U.S., but also where everyone who is around the world listening to this can get an understanding of what pediatricians are, what they do, um, how do they connect with mothers. How do they connect with pregnant women? And so I'll be asking our beautiful doctor paediatrician, Omalara, of what her foundation is in relation to being a paediatrician. Hi, Omalara. How are you? Hi, Delia. I'm doing really well. Um, Thank you again for inviting me to your podcast. I'm a fan and just excited to be here. It's a pleasure. So, our beautiful doctor, how? Tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life. Yeah, so I am a pediatrician, as you said. Um, I'm actually Nigerian-American. I grew up in um, New York, and I think one of the constant themes in my life has been the fact that I'm just compelled to really Um, help people. And particularly, I think that background of being able to see the the juxtaposition of America and also on family trips of Nigeria and seeing how where you live and the inequity was really um, part of my evolution in terms of um, becoming a pediatrician. I am drawn to it mostly because of the fact that I get to develop these intimate relationships with families, um, particularly with mothers. And I think um, just being able to have that long-term relationship and watch children evolve and watch um, mothers evolve and become more empowered and confident is always exciting and feeling like I've had something to do with that, taking taking some credit for that. So um, I've been practicing for about 16 years and um, I actually practiced a, a majority of my early career um, in sub-Saharan Africa. Um, I've practiced globally, probably across 12 countries, um, most of them in sub-Saharan Africa, but also in the Caribbean and Asia. 
And um, that also has given me perspective about um, the some of the similarities across countries and cross-culturally, and right. then also being able to really connect to the importance of understanding the culture and, and being able to understand how that impacts how people feel when they're mothering and also being able to feel um, confident and feel successful in mothering and taking that into account. So that's a, a little bit about me. <laughs> uh, well, what I wanted to find out, I mean, with what you just shared there, it's one of the questions I just wanted to quickly ask you is, what what would be the difference between what you see in Nigeria to here or in Africa to here? What would be the difference? Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, it's very interesting because I feel that, uh, so there's a few things, of course, there's a lot of things that are different, but I think one of the things that um, is really important are is culturally the idea of really being a communal, um, communal parenting and really seeing people come together. I think that ancestrally for uh, myself as a black individual and also other black individuals in diaspora, it's something that as we've moved into America or into more um, Eurocentric societies, we are losing um, despite the strength of that, the strength of really having a village behind how you are parenting yeah. and accessing support and knowing that, you know, if you can't do this right away for your child, there may be someone else who is like around who can just help with that. And I think that yes. very um, closed off in the immediate family and have yeah. been more reluctant to start to branch out to, to actual family or friends, sister friends and starting to develop that village. So I think that that's one of the beautiful things that I see. And I think um, the other piece that is different, of course, is the lower resources that um, sometimes aren't accessible. And so I think being able to, we've seen a lot of mothers who are very, um, I think a lot more confident in terms of like knowing, okay, this is what the problem is with my child and they need to go seek care, but then yes. being able to support um, that with the right care once a problem is identified has been an issue in a lot of the sub-Saharan African countries that I've worked in. So there are pros and cons in both sides. In and both sides, yes. <laughs> so what, what, um, what are you most excited about in your life right now? Oh, okay. So it's a lot to be excited about. So I, I think that, you know, often um, as a mother myself, as a physician, the, the biggest thing that I've learned, I think, is just um, the fact that I felt kind of like everything had to be done <laughs> right away at the same time or I was not successful. And I think the exciting thing for me right now is understanding that just like parenting, um, that there's a process and, and being able to birth other babies, um, particularly businesses that I'm working on that allow for me to not have to stay within the traditional way that medicine yes. is practiced to yes. um, help families, but start to think about different ways I could help families. And I do that in two different ways. Um, uh, as you know, you follow me on my Instagram, which is Melanin Medicine Motherhood. And I do that um, by trying to empower um, Black 
women physicians who yes. really are key to ensuring that our needs as um, Black populations and populations of color are heard by making sure that we are able to stand in that in that place and elevate the space and make sure that care that's given is culturally, you know, competent and also making sure that um, they're not diminished the concerns that that our communities have. But the other baby, <laughs> and so I do coaching for Black women physicians right. around that, but the other baby that I've just literally developed that we were able to talk about is Strong Children Wellness, which is really focused on how do we ensure that communities of color, including low-income communities of color, are able to get care accessibly from a diverse team of providers who right. understand them, who aren't biased in the way that they provide care, and also getting care to them in modalities that often are not available to um, to communities of color through using telehealth and virtual care, which allows for people to reduce costs and really be able to get access through text messaging to resources, what they need right away um, without so many challenges. Now? Excuse me? Is that yeah, so actually <laughs> this week was when we launched Strong Children Wellness and we actually ramped it up because of the coronavirus pandemic and yes. understanding that a lot of communities of color felt shut out in terms of some of the practices that they were using, maybe having to close down, not converting, not having an, a suitable alternative to be able to provide care, answer questions, fill with medications for those that yes. had chronic diseases. And we felt, you know, we were going to do telehealth anyway, but why not ramp that up now and see how we can supplement that need, um, particularly as three Black women physicians who, um, you know, who I think are really committed to these communities because that those are the communities that we come from. Right. And how do you, you mentioned coaching. How do yeah. you get into coaching? Yeah, so um, coaching actually was probably the, um, it's the manifestation of a lot of the ups and downs that I've, I've had very recently, um, particularly, you know, as I said, I've been on the traditional uh, physician track of working in a hospital, um, teaching as well, um, being a professor and doing research. And um, pretty much at the point of, <laughs> I would say other people would look at it at, to the point of exhaustion. Um, and I actually, uh, last year, um, found myself hospitalized. Um, I had experienced some burnout um, about six months prior to the hospitalization. Wow. And, then, um, and then I was hospitalized because I could not walk. Um, wow. and, then, and then after a m multiple tests, I actually found out that I, I had a brain lesion um, and I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and autoimmune disorder. Um, and with also the um, prognosis that um, they weren't sure if I would recover and walk normally ever. And so I was discharged with a walker. Um, oh, all of oh. my work was delegated out to, I believe, five people, which um, was uh, not, you know, which was a sign that I was doing too much, but um, also on medical leave and kind of feeling 
um, lost because my work for many years is what defined me, I realized. And I hadn't invested into exploring the other pieces of my life and, and my purpose and my mission and what I was passionate about and whether or not that had evolved over these many years of practicing yes. medicine. And um, in that in that emptiness, um, I was able to identify what was it that I truly loved when I say that I wanted to help people. And it was really around building communities, learning about women and supporting women. And I started a Facebook group, <laughs> uh, mostly selfishly because I was so alone. And yes. it was really around trying to identify if there were other women of color who were experiencing that emptiness of feeling like they're doing all of the things, but not feeling fulfilled. Yes. And um, literally my Facebook grew from 40 to 400 people, like within two weeks, um, once I put it out. And, um, and then I started noticing physicians joining as well. And, um, and I noticed that they weren't as vocal. And I yes. think that alerted me to the fact that um, while I was noticing there were there were a lot of communities that were supporting Black um, women, in particular in motherhood, um, yes. but not as many that were supporting um, Black women physicians. And I think particularly because society probably thinks, hey, they're physicians, they should know everything, they've got it all together, yeah. and it's hard for them to be vulnerable about the fact that they're struggling. And so I decided to niche that group and start a podcast, which, and um, really start to just share what I experienced and hoping that that resonated with other people so that they could share. And right now, um, as of today, we finished our first season of the podcast in March, and um, we have about a little bit over 900 Black women, um, some not physicians, but the majority women physicians in that group who are really supporting each other on a daily basis to just... And are they all pediatricians? No, 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 no. We have surgeons. and It's actually, uh, really, when I think about it, it's actually just so, you know, um, exciting to see because black in in the US black women physicians only make up 2% of all physicians in in the United States so um it to have a, a large group of them in one setting and to see like how amazing these women are in terms of like cardiologists and surgeons and pediatricians and internists and um gastroenterologists and all sorts of women but understanding how difficult the road is when literally practicing medicine in the U.S. is not supposed to look like you. <laughs> you know? right. it's not, that's not how it looks. So there's a lot of challenges. And I think being able to be in a space where they can see that they they actually aren't alone in, the, in those experiences yes. has been yes. very empowering. And I feel it's the same way in motherhood, that motherhood can be isolating, especially in those first few months. Yes. And it's so important to connect and um, to hear other stories of people understanding that, hey, the, the challenges are universal um, and they're yes. universal for me as a physician. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and you're not on your own, like you said. Correct. So what compelled you to focus this, you know, on women of color in the coaching yeah. practice? What was it that, why, why, why did you think women of color needed this particular 
area of coaching? Yeah. Um, so I think that many people are probably familiar with the um, some of the like uh, figures that we hear about in terms of the strong black woman or in terms of the super woman and and super moms, of course. And the idea that a lot of times uh, for women of color, um, not due to their own desire, but due to circumstances, whether it be societal around single parenthood, mass incarceration, other things that require them to be the breadwinners or co-breadwinners of the family. Uh, what I do know is that um, eight out of 10 women, Black women, are breadwinners or co-breadwinners in their family compared to the average, which is about five out of 10 um, right. across the general population. And in that role, um, pe- women are finding themselves to have to do it all and to the detriment sometimes of their own bodies and their own visions yes. and dreams. And um, I, because of that, that um, difference, I felt like there was a need to really hone in on um, women of color in particular because those needs, in addition to regular motherhood and also battling issues like racism, microaggressions, um, pay, gender discrimination um, in terms of pay and gender and race, um, in terms of pay and uh, issues around uh, lack of promotion, um, those were additional traumas that some that not all women have to deal with. And so, feeling like there was a space to talk about that and acknowledge that and validate that, and also come up with solutions about those specific issues as well, was right. really important. Um, as well as really important to do in a space that felt safe for women of color to talk about that. And what are the things that you believe mums need to overcome? You know, the tendency to be superwoman. I mean, what <laughs> what do you think they they would be, what would they believe in to overcome that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, the first thing that is probably really important is well, I think there are three things. Um and the three things are vision, voice, and village. And so uh, for me, when I talk about vision, it's really about um, starting to think back to maybe even pre-motherhood about what it is that you want for your life. What is it that are your strengths? What is it that are your passions, your skills? Um, and how does that how does that play into what you want to do? What is it that brings you joy? Um, if we don't have a specific vision for ourselves that does not include our children and, um, you know, about where we want to be, what we want to accomplish. And of course, that being that helping to support our children and support our families. I think it's really important if we don't have that due north, because if we don't, it's just kind of your, your moving. Um, There's a quote that talks about vision without action is just passing you're just passing time and action without vision is is just like moving you know without any direction but vision with with action you can change the world because you actually know where you're going so vision was the first thing i think the voice um i like to call that is finding your voice and becoming more confident and a lot of that for mothers is really about building their knowledge, developing certain skills, but it's also about 
feeling more comfortable to say no, to create yes. boundaries yes. and to and to prioritize themselves and not feel guilty about that. And, you know, that takes some time. It also takes practice of doing it little by little and then realizing, oh, this is this is actually important. And this is not that this is not bad. This is actually good because when I do take that time for myself, I show up as a better mother. I show up less yeah. irritable. I show up yeah. less angry. <laughs> I show up less exhausted because I've invested in myself and I can show up uh, in, a, in a better way for my my kids. And the last thing is the village. And, and we've talked about that earlier, but the idea of not only having people in your immediate family, but also thinking about all of the people who um, can contribute to not only yourself in terms of supporting you, but also people who have such diverse backgrounds that can contribute to your children and their growth and being yes. well-rounded. There are, there's yes. so many things I don't do, right, as a mom yes. that my that one of my friends is, is great at, right? And being able to have that circle brings a new... Um, a new scope and a new interest in life for my kids when they get exposed to that person. So, mm. yeah. I think that's really interesting because I, while you were talking, I was just trying to imagine the type, the different types of mothers and what they've had to experience mm -hmm. and what they are experiencing. And then when they find out that there's that I'm not on my own and that there is somebody else and that, you know, there is somewhere I can go and speak to. I can, and feeling, um, as you said, confident. Because what we tend to do is we tend to prioritise everything to our, towards our children yeah. and not ourselves. We have boundaries for our children, but not ourselves. Yeah. You know? And so our children grow up being quite confident and, <laughs> and outspoken yes. and... Mothers are saying, well, wh where did you get that from? How, how did you know that? Why you? And these are the questions. And you're thinking, well, you should really look at yourself now because it's about you doing this for mm -hmm. you, not just mm -hmm. putting it out onto the children. So as a pediatrician, you cover a vast area. Yes. Because like you said, it's not just from baby it's from baby up until what age? 21 is our practice. <laughs> I do have, I mentioned, I do have some 24 year olds who we try to like say, okay, it's time, it's time to leave. <laughs> but yeah. Wow. And do you get, ever get invited to family dues sometimes or, you know, um, or a baby or a child um, celebrating their birthday and, you get called or, you know? Yeah. So I, I've, I've had, I've had so many different things. Um, there can be um, times where there are birthdays, even celebrations for not just the kid, but for the mom who's like, I want you to come. And so, and uh, you know, there's also the other side where they felt so compelled, like to invite me to things like funerals and issues like that where you know we that I was part of that family um was and so I've had both areas and um that's why I think I love the practice because um they the families that I interact with even families who no longer are my patients right they the kids yes. have grown um, they still <laughs> connect with me. I've had families find me on social media. <laughs> like, oh. hi, Dr. 
Devo. And it's a really exciting to know that, um, that once, you know, a pediatrician is a really precious thing in a lot of families, especially if they are connecting really well. And to know that um, a lot of times you're going to be there for a while and you'll be a remembered part of that family yes. as well. Yes. Um, so that's, I think, it's, that's I think it's beautiful when that can happen. Yes. And, you know, you do have that connection with families because that's really what it's about. I mean, being a pediatrician, we talk about maybe mother and a child, but as a pediatrician, you're looking at approximately every two, three years, you're connected with that same mother because she's having a second or a third or a Mm -hmm. fourth, you know, and Mm -hmm. you're going back and seeing this woman and you can remember the first child and Mm -hmm. you can remember the second child, you know? So there is that family connection. Yeah. And I I do want to mention that in the first, um, in the first two years of life, we're meeting with three years of life, we're meeting with families 15 times. So, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a lot, it's a lot of visits, of course, for the family, but it's a lot of exposure to us, a lot of questions that families can bring to us. And, you know, and I always, I think the biggest thing also is not feeling, um, you know, one of the things that I hope to do and I usually do in my practice, which I think is why families feel connected, is that I share kind of the challenges that I've had. And it, it's hard to share that because, you know, as a physician, sometimes people are thinking, oh, well, you had two kids. It probably was gravy. It was probably just so easy. And, and trying to help, uh, you know, erase that myth uh, quickly and talk to yes. them about the challenges I had with breastfeeding, the challenges I've had with, um, you know, sleep and with um, development and and the challenges of having questions and not knowing if a certain symptom or something was actually, you know, dangerous versus normal. And even as a pediatrician, right, there's a certain objectivity that is taken away when you're dealing with your own children. And so um, being able to, to, show women that I am the pediatrician for that Mm -hmm. there's a certain um they can hopefully relate that I can relate to those questions and that provides an atmosphere that allows for women to be a lot more vulnerable which is so crucial um for you for your child to get the best care as possible for you to feel comfortable with your physician that you can share this is what I'm struggling with so that you can come up with a shared um, decision-making and shared plan to address those issues. And it's funny you spoke about, you mentioned the word barrier, because even with um, being a pediatrician, the fact that you've got that title, pediatrician, it can sometimes have a, a gulf between the mother and yourself, because as far as the mother's concerned, well, I only know so much, but you know maybe a little bit more because of your title. And so naturally a lot of mothers would more likely um, not be able to connect with you. But the fact that you're dealing with mothers who are physicians themselves, it's to- it's, it gives it a totally different perspective and a totally different view when you are speaking to women who other women see as, oh, the doctor, oh, the pediatrician, oh, the gynecologist, and see you as the all-knowing of everything. But then (laughs) 
you yeah. know, you've got them saying to you, the, the ones who have got these qualifications saying, please, I need help. Please, mm-hmm. I need help being a mother. I need help with baby being sick, with baby having a temperature, with baby not sleeping, with mm-hmm. breastfeeding. So it's really, the dynamic really changes. Yeah, but what I like to say is motherhood is the great equalizer. Honestly, whatever degrees I've had, whatever thing, once that baby comes out, it's just like you're you're kind of like deer in headlights. What do I do? And the MD or PhD or no degree, you know, I, I think it's so, I think, that's one of the things that I I um, love about motherhood and also is the most anxiety provoking where I, I can't, you, you can, you can train on certain diseases, right. And disease pathologies, you can train on certain developmental cues and milestones and ways of feeding and sleeping. Um, but every, ch- no child reads a textbook before they come out. No child looks and says, Oh, that's what I'm supposed to be doing at two months. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and the same thing for mother, because yes. there's no there's no manual for being a parent. Nope. And there's no nope. manual for the child, like you said, for the child to know exactly, all right, when I come out of my mum's womb, I know exactly <laughs> what I have to do. No, it's all learning. Yes. yes. But really allowing yourself to, and it's hard in that first um that first year and that first time, because, you know, there's so much pressure. Everyone seems, it seems like everyone's watching you. And it seems like, you know, if I make a mistake, whatever that is, that it will be um, so overwhelming and, and, and so distressing. And I think the, at least adopting the attitude that, you know, mistakes are, are, are going to happen, whether, and that failure of something or mistake failure, I like to say is feedback. Um, and so honestly, a lot of times, whenever there is anything that, you know, maybe, okay, I didn't know that. And so I did it a little bit differently and it could have been done a different way that just knowing kind of that really now empowers you to help another mother. Um, And so I just really am enjoying, one of the things that I enjoyed in the beginnings of my Facebook group, um, I made it honestly a very medical free zone. So I said clearly that I know I'm a pediatrician and I know that people are going to bring in questions about all of these medical issues, but I didn't want the Facebook group to be that. I wanted the Facebook group to really hone in on you as a mom and what you're feeling, what are some of the issues you're having. And so, you know, some people were talking about just feeling so alone. Some people were talking about just feeling um, like they, like they didn't know what they were doing. Some people um, would talk about feeling like they couldn't talk to their pediatrician about kind of the real things that were on their mind. And the way the other mothers swooped in, I, I, I just, I would just sit back and I was like, (laughs) I don't have to say anything. This is is awesome. And it just, and it not only, and the, the nice thing about it is because of the fact I only have one perspective, right? When you have all of these different moms, there are different perspectives, some that may connect with you, some that may not, but being able to have access to that and really like learn and also me learning from mothers. And, and I, I say, yes, may, I may be an expert around kind of these textbook pieces of pediatrics, but 
you're the expert in your child. And yes. so there's no, and, and, and so that supersedes everything because I can, I can only give information that may or may not be suited to help your child. And we have to figure that out together if that's going to work or if it's not going to work and problem yeah. solve together. You can't do it one, one side can't do it without the other. That's right. That's right. No. I, and what's the name of the Facebook page for anyone who's interested in coming on if they are, um, you know, a physician? But a yeah. Mother. Yeah. So if they're a physician, they can come on. Actually, non-moms are welcome. <laughs> if they're a, a black, it's for black women physicians and they can come on. It's called Melanin Medicine and Motherhood. Um, right. and and so they can they can come on and we have women who are not moms, a lot of them actually, um, because a lot of them are, are just looking for that community. And I think we have some who are going to be moms. We have some, you know, that have been unsuccessful at being moms. Yes. Um, and really being able to have all of them together and say that these are just important things about like for us as women. Um, yeah. and can only strengthen our motherhood, but are not are, are not only applicable to people who who have um, children right now. Yes, yes. No, I, I'm I'm for everyone who's listening, you must go on to Dr. Omolara's website, which is www.strongchildrenwellness.com. And if you'd like to join her and her many excitable mothers of medicine and melanin, you can go to Melanin Medicine and Motherhood. And that's on Facebook. So I am I have to say what you've shared with me has been very intriguing because (laughs) of the fact that it's physicians who are mothers who have children, who have family, because we don't expect um, physicians to really be that way. We, we're always, you know, because you're always either, I won't say always, but most of the time you go to the hospital and you see someone and they might be in a white coat. Whether they're in a white coat or not, that's not the issue. The issue is the fact that they have this title and that title makes them seem much more powerful than you but really they are not it's not that they're powerful it's just that they just have a title like you said a degree but they are a mother they are a wife you know or they are a single mother some of them you know and everybody needs to have that support that area that space where they can tap in and say look I need a little bit of help or can I get some advice or do you have a, a solution? And yeah. I think- and, and I think I just want to mention that, you know, while that, that side is really around melanin medicine and motherhood um, is really about an empowerment, um, you know, empowerment community for personal development for women physicians, I find it extremely important for addressing the maternal mortality crisis because of the fact that um, a lot of the challenges and the the barriers to um, addressing maternal mortality include bias within healthcare systems and also the lack of uh, physician diversity 
and um, of and we know that diverse physicians specifically are inherently advocates for communities of color, elevate their needs, both in the, you know, pregnancy process, in the birthing process, in the um, postpartum process. And so the more of us that we have that feel fulfilled in their jobs and feel um, activated, feel well, whether it be in their motherhood or just as a physician, are more likely to be able to do their jobs more successfully. And that benefits all women, but especially women of color who are disproportionately affected in terms of maternal mortality. Um, so I just wanted to mention kind of how that connects to maybe the larger audience that you have. And yes. also that strong children wellness is really catered to all mom, all moms in terms of providing pediatric care, but also um, coaching around some of the issues that plague us all as mothers and not just as physician mothers. <laughs> well, I do hope that what you shared with me um, will get out to lots more mothers because it's needed. It really is needed. And I really thank you, Dr. Omolara, for sharing that with us and giving us a little bit of your time you know, to be able to express and, yeah, to connect because that's what it's all about. It's about networking, connecting, um, getting people to be more aware of what is being done, what can be done, what will be done. Yeah? Yes, 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 Delia. Thank you, you so have, much. Oh, no, not at all. I mean, Pregnancy Without Fear, like I said, we're expanding now. We're expanding our wings and we want to get into every area of professionalisms that um, relates to pregnancy, labor, birth, relationships, motherhood, parenting, whatever. We're, that's where we're going now. Even though it's called Pregnancy Without Fear, it's, <laughs> it's much, much more than that now. Yeah. It really is. So I do thank you very, very much for um, doing this podcast with us. And we look forward to, it would be good to have another one at some point, part two. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, sounds I good. <laughs> because you've only just started your website now and it would be lovely to know where it goes in the next five, six months in the next year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that would be great. Um, we would love as much support around Strong Children Wellness. Like we created it for um, communities of color. And so our hope is to really support them, support all children, but yeah. definitely a, a lens on equity and so uh, I'm really thankful for this opportunity to get the word out and increase awareness about what we're doing oh, and it was an honor to have you thank you so much and um yeah we look forward to linking up again soon yeah okay you take care okay Delia thank you bye <laughs> bye <laughs> listening to Pregnancy Without Fear podcast with me, Delia Mohammed. If you want more information from today's episode, you can find our show notes page at www.pregnancywithoutfear.com. Your vote of confidence and support means the world to me. Thanks so much for listening.